Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. I just counsel the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch business, and no doubt, my friend, you're over there. All the mysterious fiber magic foaming forth on phones and laptops, but I'll bet ten cents of my own money you're not aware. And with first machine capabilities are breeding results of which you know nothing about, and more importantly, those advances are aimed directly specifically at you. Yes, my friends. In short, as I put it in my book, the art of CEO of yourself, your trillions are spent winning you. And by the grace of the good gosh and clever, the top expert, Mr. William Aram, author of Invisible Data and Machine Learning, is right on hand. William has led the digital marketing transformation for Capital Broadcasting, Hearst Tribune Media. He's now executive vice president of digital media for Engage Media, and he's become the acceptable voice. Uh, of digital of the digital persuasion revolution. So we're going to ask as our virtual and lead us through the stygian swamps of marketing in a way that will help all of our lives, that is affecting all of our lives right now, and so we can gain a little understanding. So pull up your chair and join us for this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. William, I'm so glad that real time and it was a real voice and you could join us in some good old fashioned Seeking wisdom How are you? Bart, that was so spectacular that I didn't have the heart to interrupt and say we have a bad telephone connection and we should probably hang up and redial. <laughs> well, I that, uh, I think that was so much fun. Why don't we continue? It works from here, all right? Can you can hear I, me? Can I hang up and dial back in? It just keeps cutting out. I can hardly hear you. Well, why don't you do just that? In the meantime, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him and wait for he's going to hang up and join us again. And so all of you, my friends, hang right on while William cuts out. And one thing you should know, I think uh, while we're waiting for William to come back, uh, let it be said that we waste even a moment of your precious time. So I am going to give you today uh, what I call our first utensil in today's Feast of Wisdom. So allow me, as I always do, to remind you that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Editing out those tasks that bring in more distraction than enrichment, or will you continue to cling to a worn-out routine and traditions of other suggestions? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. William, how are you now? <laughs> I'm great. It's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, wonderful. Isn't that amazing? I, I think it's it's perfect that when we're talking about the marvelous world of automation, it takes its own will and whimsy, perhaps a bit of 
know, actually, well, you say you wrote the invisible brand, uh, marketing in the age of automation, big data, machine learning, neither to scare us nor to completely allay our fear to bring us with a little instructive understanding. So to help in that understanding, uh, I'll admit that we humans have firm, are firmly embraced in a growing web of our technology. But what could you define what you mean by invisible brand? Sure. Uh, I think most people have a general sense that technology is spying on them. It's following them around. It's listening to their conversations. It's uh, <laughs> tracking. Uh, it's tracking them. Uh, but I, I think that what's the reality of it is that there are people, there are brands, there are governments, there are politicians, there are even institutions and religious groups, all who have an interest in persuading you through your technology. Mm. And increasingly, their mm -hmm. influence is invisible. They're using the technology to change the way you think and what you do and what you buy, but you may not be aware of their influence in your lives. So I wrote the book primarily to help both marketers understand what the opportunities are and how they can take advantage of it ethically, and also for consumers so that they can see these, the invisible brand operating in their lives to reveal something hidden, to pull back the curtain a little bit and give people a better understanding of exactly how it works. You're sort of like the war profiteer who sells to both sides. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 you developed uh, an original term for this new technology, uh, and you have said that it really enables that are right here with us. What are the technologies? So um, there are four trends that are operating today through technology, and the first of them is that technology is allowing us to personalize messaging to the individual. It used to be that in broadcast television, we broadcast the signal to everyone at the same time. In newspaper publishing, right. we printed one edition and distributed it to you know, tens of thousands of people. So we all consumed the same information. Today, we, as a, as a gift of the Internet, can deliver a different message to you and a different message to me. My Facebook feed is different from your Facebook feed. I consume different information when I go on ESPN.com. I might check different sports scores. And increasingly, mm -hmm. the news that we consume is tailored to us. The headlines may be uh, you know, written just for us. The body copy may be written just for us by a machine. We call that personalization. So we've moved from mass communications to mass customization. That's the first trend. The second mm. trend is that wow. we're able to A-B mm. test. We're able to, you know, persuade based on testing messages to see which one works better for Bart and which one works better for Bill. Because there, there are differences in our personalities and how we can be persuaded. So persuasion mm -hmm. has become a science. That's a major trend. Mm -hmm. The third trend is right. that we're now using computers to learn. Mm -hmm. We have machine learning technology that enables the machine to actually learn how to persuade you using personalized information. And the fourth trend excuse me, you are is saying, that we are – Excuse me, William. You're yeah. saying that, key, that, that this learning is – Machines are teaching machines, not – I mean, we know – correct? Yeah, so we're, we've reached a point where mm -hmm. the, the marketing message 
the combination of words and images um, that are being delivered are being delivered differently to you and differently to me, and the machine is learning which combinations are better for you and better for me. So we are learning how to persuade you using personalized information. The machine is helping us. A human being could never concoct millions of combinations of words and images to create uh, you know, meaning, but the machine can work through every permutation, deliver it in tests, test which ones are working for which groups, um, optimize the campaign towards the messages that are, that are penetrating and, and delivering on the key performance indicators of the marketing campaign. And so persuasion itself mm-hmm. is getting more effective through the power of machine learning. And the, the fourth trend well, is that we're now talking mm-hmm. to our machines. We're having conversations with our phones, with our television sets, with our cars. And today the conversations are fairly simple. It's, you know, what directions to the nearest Thai restaurant or, you know, what scary movie would you recommend? Um, But tomorrow the conversation is going to be much deeper. We're going to be asking more sophisticated questions. We're going to be asking questions like, you know, what should I, you know, what car should I buy? What, what's a good time to buy a house in the marketplace? What should I study in college? Who should I marry? And when we're having those kinds of conversations, the marketing messaging that is delivered by AI will be much more impactful. Um, It will change our lives. And so I thought hard about this. I've got all these trends colliding Mm -hmm. and they're changing us psychologically. So what do we call that? Well, we need a word. And I thought, well, you know, you take psychology and technology, psychological technology, and you combine that into psychotechnology And that's the word that I'm using to describe this convergence of the fact that we are now talking to machines that are designed to learn how to persuade us using personalized information. Well, I I agree with you up to a point, but I'm questioning on something. And so I just want to make sure I've got this right. You said that we're talking about Uh, what what cars are available in my price range to buy and where should we meet but thing we're we're on this verge of something well now is no bot what car should I buy for my family? Should I marry? What please tell me the college choice. Do you see us seeding that small judgment uh, in it's swift and and that, that that kind of decision swiftly coming upon us uh and uh, uh is something happening close in the future absolutely so we, we give are not only idea? seeding it yeah we're not only seeding it but we're we're you know in the future but we're doing it already of course we we ask our tv for recommendations about what we should watch we ask uh, yelp for recommendations about what we should eat we go to uh, stores to purchase things based on recommendations that have in some cases been crowdsourced. In other cases, it's just a, an algorithm generating a, a recommendation based on what you've previously purchased and what you've previously liked. One of the most powerful tools in Amazon's arsenal is people who bought this also bought this. And that's a form of a recommendation. Now you didn't think too hard 
about getting that information from Amazon. They actually looked at your history and provided that up, served it up on a platter. But it's surprisingly impactful how many people actually buy the thing or listen to the music that was recommended or watch the movie that was recommended by these recommendation algorithms. Well, I, I see what you're saying that uh, about this and your, the things you talk about is, is computer voices and we listen to them and so forth. But I got to tell you, I, I, I think um, you, you, you say we're ready to see the power to into that next line of questions. And I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, for one thing, computerized voices uh, are like an insincere lover. You, uh, you, you, yes, you, you talk in your book how you, how you, say, you cite a, a, a child who gushes, oh, Alexa, I love you. Well, but the adults with whom I chat were a car salesman who's feigning in the interest of my personal life. I mean, we know it's a con job. We, it sets our teeth on edge. And so you're saying, no, 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 Bart. We we love these voices and and uh, my data proves that all humankind loves sophisticated bot talk. Is that true? What's true is that increasingly we are relating to our devices empathetically. Um, I'll, I'll share a study that was done recently that was absolutely fascinating. Uh, so there was a, a test group and they sat down with a little robot and they had a conversation and at the end of the conversation they were told to reach over and turn off the robot. And they did. Now, in the study group, what happened was when they were told to turn off the robot, the robot protested. It said, please don't turn me off. I'm scared of the dark. Uh And a surprising number of the test participants refused to turn the robot off because empathetically, they believed that somehow this robot could experience the same fear of the dark that they had experienced when they were (laughs) six years old. And so when we, when we look at that, what are we really saying? That, that human beings are capable of projecting their own empathetic experiences onto an inanimate object or a, an object that doesn't yeah. experience those things. We know that, you know that the machine was programmed to say that. It, it wasn't really experiencing a fear of the dark. But our empathetic mind, our impulse to connect, was sharing that experience of fear of the dark with the machine. And the machine then can change our behavior by pleading with us, please don't turn me off. Of course, you know, if you take that little experiment and by extension expand it out to lots of different persuasive tactics, if you are having a routine conversation with a device that starts to want to persuade you using a lot of different persuasion tactics, it's going to have leverage over people in a surprising number of instances. There's going to be examples just like Don't Turn Me Off where the machine through empathy can get you to do things, and we are vulnerable to that. Well, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. But how about – I mean, first of all, human uh, hypnosis is, is actual proof that human beings, resp- uh, if given a chance, agree. That is – the very fact that when your mind goes black and you make a hypnotic suggestion to me, say, stand up, I will stand up. I do not innately in my, in my, hard, my human homo sapien hardwiring say, hell no, 
Uh, so you're right. Our, our, that empathy is part of our hardwiring. Is it not, however, part of the computer's hardwiring to please me because its learning depends on, as you say in your marketing, to do what it thinks I want? So, uh, so you've got empathy on both sides. Is that? Uh, 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 am I missing something here, or is uh, is that just a, a built-in <laughs> process? So. Um... You're asking an interesting question. I'm not positive I have an answer for you, but I would say that mm -hmm. the empathy that the computer could be potentially experiencing is an empathy for the key performance indicators that its algorithms are uh, destined to seek out. In other words, uh, you know, we try to mm -hmm. reduce everything to numbers, to scores, and, uh, you know, the score determines which path the computer takes. The higher the score, it Right. seeks out that result, and it will continue to work on a problem, uh, you know, over time, saying if I change this variable, if I change that variable, if I change this uh, photo, if I change that, I get gradually better scores, um, gradually better numerical consequences, and a, a numerical consequence might be as simple as, you know, people going on an e-commerce site and buying stuff, right? So it could be a dollar figure. Um, and the, you're, the what, you're me, what you're giving I'm, me, William, is experience. You're giving mm -hmm. me experience. I've tried my dog. I've tried seven ways to shut down my crying child at night. The eighth one works, so I remember that eighth one, and I use it next night, next night, next night, next night. So <laughs> you you can dress it up in journalistic terms, but what you're talking about is uh, built uh, built in empathy, wanting to please. Uh, for by even though that empathy may have been programmed uh, in, in humanity by what we'd love to think of as a divine, and, and by uh, humanity in, in machines by what we think of as very fallible cells, uh, same thing, right? Yeah. Interestingly, um, one aspect of algorithms that is uh, you know tremendously powerful is the ability of our ability to actually program algorithms to work adversarially to compete with one another. And so while they're trying to please us and while they're trying to please the marketer in the background, sometimes we set them up to fight against each other, to wrestle with each other. And I'll give you a, a simple example. Um, you know, there was a tremendous advance in uh, the generation of adversarial networks, generative adversarial networks, GANs, um, when you know, human beings sat down and they said, how can we get a computer to paint a painting that human beings would enjoy? Hmm. And they actually created one algorithm that generated millions of different combinations of, of images, paintings, essentially. And they created another algorithm that was designed to judge which one of these algorithms comes closest to what we've seen human beings buying at auction. So, one algorithm that creates and one algorithm that judges working adversarially and combing through the results to find just that one answer that is most likely to please. And in the case of uh, Christie's auction house, they were able to sell a painting a few months ago that was created entirely by an algorithmic routine, these two uh, algorithms working back and forth, they were able to sell that painting for $40,000 at auction. Now, take that <laughs> and like imagine it. what we can do with that. You know, human beings can be persuaded, can be you know, entertained by music, by literature, 
it will be soon that we're able to write an entire book using a generative adversarial network that will be eventually able to produce a full length feature movie using a generative you know uh, adversarial network you know it, it, there was a time years ago when i remember saying well, it someday much we'll be able to create an, or not <laughs> it'll be better <laughs> i guess it doesn't um, need it you know we, we don't seem to care well, about that do we if, if oh, people will watch it, the, the computer will create it. But years ago, I remember thinking, well, they, will they we ever reach a point where – Yeah. Go ahead. But, you know, will we ever reach a point where we can actually produce a feature-length animated movie? You know, animation was in its infancy 30 years ago, and I, I used to think, you know, yeah. can we create that? And of course, movies like Toy Story came along and revolutionized the way we make movies. Someday soon, in the next 20 years, somebody will produce a full-length movie using artificial intelligence. And that's going to be you know, something Some, that something, is an evolutionary yeah. step of, the, yes, the same thing. So these, these algorithms, not only do they want to please, but they're working towards some goal. And the goal in that case is to produce a painting that people would buy at auction or to produce a, a, a piece of literature that people would read or to produce a movie that people would watch. And we're going to have that capability very soon. Oh, this is an amazing revelation. If, if you've just joined us, CEO radio show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. flows joyously across the misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our episodes by visiting the art of the CEO.com. That's the art of the CEO.com. And as an added avenue, you may also enjoy our shows on C Suite Radio Station, where are proud members of C Suite Radio, where the uncommon business to the solutions. Visit all of our CEO. Now, let's put some of the. Well, <clears throat> as this as a competitive edge, because they're sellers, as you put it, they have the cash registers. Uh, they know when we instantly when we purchase. They also uh, they know when we do, and they know what works and what doesn't. Uh, and by this, they have what you call attribution rights. Could you uh, explain how uh, why that works so well to have, as you call it, both ends of the funnel: stimulus and purchase response. Right. So, you know, in traditional, you know, marketing parlance, we talk about the top of the funnel being that point at which we're seeding the idea in the consumer's mind. You want this product. You know, that's typically how broadcast television works uh, or how advertising over the radio works. We plant an idea in your mind, but we're, we're not really sure where that seed is going to take root. Some people it'll be impactful. Some people it won't. The bottom of the funnel, fewer people have, gotten to the bottom of the funnel. And by the time it gets to the bottom, now you're making a purchase. And the challenge traditionally for marketers has been, to what ad do I attribute this purchase? I ran a radio ad, I ran a television ad, I ran a newspaper ad. I don't know which one caused this person to walk into my store and buy something. That's, a, that's the attribution problem, the traditional attribution right, problem. Right, right. Uh -huh. What Amazon can do is they can see
see both ends of that funnel. They can make a recommendation. Hey, Bart, people like you also bought this, and they can actually see whether or not you make that purchase, okay? So they can see both the planting of the seed and the actual purchase at the cash register. Owning the cash register gives Amazon a unique advantage in this giant data collection universe. Facebook doesn't <laughs> own a cash register. Google doesn't right. own a cash register. They have to rely on I third see. parties. Uh, what's interesting, mm -hmm. if you've been you know, watching the news the past month, uh, Facebook has actually tried to solve this problem in a very unique sense. They've introduced the idea that they're going to create a currency called Libra. And I thought about that. I thought, mm -hmm. you know, that's very clever. They don't own the cash yeah. register, so the next best thing is own the cash to make a very kind of cash. They've got a com yeah, they've got a complete record of what everybody bought, and they can solve the attribution problem just as efficiently as Amazon. Of course, Amazon is creating real competition for Google and Facebook. Uh, Amazon is making a stunning foray into the world of digital advertising. The, the duopoly of Facebook and Google is actually threatened by, you know, the, the ability for Amazon to complete or solve the attribution problem for advertisers. It's really, uh, it's spectacular what's happening. And that's, and what you're saying then is that the both ends of the funnel is really the Socratic dialectic, which you call the generative adversarial network. And, uh, is uh, the creative director says, gush, 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 we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And uh, the head of uh, uh, marketing uh, statistics and, and the accountants say, All right, where's the value, where's the value, where's the value? And uh, that's both ends of the funnel, that's your adversarial conception. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it works marvelously well. It's worked, as I say, it worked for Socrates. And uh, so it's, <laughs> and it's sure. Is think, oh, William, this is fascinating. If I may uh, take a brief. Uh